your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome everybody. All right, today we're talking about obsessive compulsive disorder, rituals and then repeat. You know, obsessive compulsive disorder known as OCD is a mental disorder and is characterized by intrusive thoughts like obsessions that produce uneasiness, apprehension, fear, worry, and by repetitive behaviors, which are called rituals, uh, which are called compulsions, they're aimed at reducing the associated anxiety. And so people with OCD may have just the obsessions or a combination of the obsessions and the compulsions. But the whole thing is, if you look at the Diagnostic Manual for Mental Health, obsessive compulsive disorder is a way of coping with life. Um, Oftentimes, these people fill their life with rituals, hating change, and creating uh, basically a barrier between them and life to where they can cope with life and not actually live their life. You know, these obsessions basically are characterized as a persistent, unintentional, unwanted thoughts and urges that are very intrusive, uh, unpleasant, distressing, and some common uh, 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 obsessions in- include concerns about germs and contamination, doubts, did they turn their water off, order and symmetry, I need all the spoons in the tray to be arranged in a certain way, and then there's urges that are aggressive or lustful. Usually the person knows that such thoughts and urges are irrational, and they then they try to suppress or ignore them, and then they have a difficult time doing so, i.e. pornography addiction. You know, compulsions are also ritualistic behaviors that an individual performs in order to mitigate the anxiety that stems from obsessive thoughts. They often include things like um, hand washing, cleaning, uh, checking to make sure the oven's off, counting things, hoarding, uh, ordering, lining up things, pencils in a particular way. They may also include such uh, mental acts as counting or praying or reciting something to yourself, as well as nervous rituals like touching a doorknob or opening and closing a door to a certain number of times before leaving a room. And these compulsions can be alienating and time-consuming, and often they cause severe emotional, interpersonal, and even financial distress to support them. And the ability to relieve their stress is often temporary. And individuals may have a hard time switching from one task to another, but what they often do, no matter where they are, if they're on vacation, if they're doing certain things, they maintain these rituals at at all costs. You know, the acts of those who have OCD may appear paranoid and potentially psychotic and disconnected from reality. However, these sufferers generally recognize their obsessions and compulsions as irrational. And roughly one-third to half of adults with OCD report a childhood onset of the disorder where the rituals began. 
You know, the actual phrase obsessive compulsive is often used uh, colloquially to indicate someone who is excessively meticulous, perfectionistic, or otherwise fixated. Although those signs in OCD, a person who exhibits them does not necessarily have OCD. They may instead have an autism spectrum disorder, which we've talked about in previous weeks. But obsessive compulsive personality disorder or no clinical condition at all, the main difference between OCD and OCD personality is that OCD is egodystomic, meaning that the disorder goes against the, pay, the person's self-concept. So their idea of their self would not include the symptoms of OCD, and therefore the disorder causes a lot of distress. But people with the OCD personality, on the other hand, which is called OCPD, is egostonic, meaning the patient sees their behavior as appropriate, reasonable, and compatible to their self-image. So they've integrated the OCD into their self-image as if that is who they are. You know, the need to control things we cannot control in life results in what are, used to be called Axis one diagnoses in the DSM-4, which are diagnoses that are man-made. They're created by people to cope with life, and that's how they try to control things they cannot control. That's, therefore, OCD, the, the, the place where it comes from. They have an over-ideal of what they should and should not control in this life, meaning that they philosophically likely live in fear most of the time. Not in faith, but in fear, which life is a faith-based venture. That means that we take leaps of faith and then we work it out. It's called experiential learning. However, people with OCD want to do it their own way, in their own form, in their own rituals, make sense or not sense. They'll do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, and then they will support it. And then they'll try to make everybody else do it too, to their, to their satisfaction. You know, to be diagnosed with OCD, a person must experience obsessions, compulsions, or both. The obsessions must be to a degree that lies outside a normal range, meaning that it is pervasive in that person's rituals of life. And, and uh, a person will tend to recognize the obsessions as irrational, but they still have to perform them. Additionally, the degree of obsessions and compulsion must impair some aspect of that person's social, occupational, or daily functioning. You know, a, a lot of people agree that both psychologically and biologically factors play a role in the disorder, although there's a, a real disagreement about which plays a greater role. But the evolutionary psychology indicates that some obsessions and compulsions may have one pin, uh, point been advantageous, such as compulsive hygiene. Well, yeah, we probably did that have a lot of immunities back in the old days and probably had to do a lot of different ways to find hygiene in our life. That wasn't probably easy. You know, uh, uh, some people would check the fire hearth all the time or hoarding supplies or monitoring the environment for enemies. Those also could be predetermined factors of a person with OCD. But the results of family and, and twin studies suggest that OCD has a moderate genetic component. The disorder is five times more frequent in the first degree relatives of people with OCD than people without the disorder. Additionally, the uh, rate of OCD among identical twins is around 57%. However, the concordance rate 
from fraternal twins is about 22%. And that's from a study conducted by Bolton, Rudzijewski, O'Connor, Perrin, and Ely. And that was back in 2007. And there's uh, studies have implicated about two dozen potential genes that may be involved in OCD, but those genes regulate the function of three neurotransmitters, which are very important to antidepressants, serotonin, dopamine, and glutamate. Okay, now this is important to understand. There's also other obsessive compulsive disorders out there, and, and they are related, and they do have some overlap. And there's one that is a big one, and boy, I tell you, anybody that does plastic surgery loves this particular disorder. It's called body dysphoric disorder, and somebody that has a body dysphoric disorder is preoccupied with a perceived flaw in their physical appearance that is either non-existent or barely noticeable to other people. And these perceived physical defects uh, cause a person to think they're unattractive, ugly, hideous, deformed, and these preoccupations can focus on any bodily area, but they typically involve the face, uh, skin, or the hair. And the preoccupation with the imagined physical flaws drives the person to engage in this repetitive, ritualistic behavior and mental acts such as constantly looking in the mirror, trying to hide the offending body part, comparisons with others, and in some extreme cases, cosmetic surgery and severely impairing the quality of life of this this person the body dysphoric disorder can lead to social isolation and involves especially high rates of suicidal ideation about 2.4 percent of the adults in the united states actually meet body dysphoric disorder diagnosis slightly higher in women than men by the way so you know if you're going to be diagnosed with something like this a person has to be preoccupied with at least one area of their physical appearance, focusing on the perceived defect. And they must also engage in repetitive, often impulsive behaviors such as checking the mirror or mental acts such as comparing themselves to others in relation to their perceived defects. And that preoccupation interferes pervasively with some of their aspect of their social occupation or daily life. And, uh, and it can't be better explained by the eating disorder, by the way. And so it's really important to understand that these kind of things come and go and are very important. But this particular disorder comes from the amygdala, which is basically the part of the brain that, that is involved in our basic emotions. And if a person is depressed, they're oftentimes going to do what they feel rather than what they think. And so if they're going to be anxious, they're going to do what they feel rather than what they think. That means they live in fear, once again, lack of faith, and that means they manifest this in their behavior to comfort themselves. Then there's these awful people called hoarders. Hoarding is a pattern of behavior that's characterized by a lot of acquisition or inability or unwillingness to discard large quantities of objects that cover the living areas of the home. They cause significant distress and impairment. And compulsive hoarding has been associated with health risks, impaired functioning, economic burden, 
and adverse effects on friends and family members, basically running them out of their house to where they can never visit them. And God forbid they have children, they'll stack up their rooms, they'll block their rooms, they'll they'll create an environment the kid can't even have their company over because that parent, that person is so obsessed with hoarding that they do not love anybody, including themselves. They are hiding from the world behind things that they emotionally attach to. And I do uh, strengthen the word and, and accent the word things. Things become an emotional attachment because they're safer than people. And so then when this is a really clinically significant enough to impair functioning that hoarding can prevent typical uh, uses of space, uh, even so that it can limit the activities like cooking, uh, cleaning, moving through the house, sleeping. It also potentially puts the individual and others at risk of causing fires, falling, poor sanitation, rats, mice, and in these compulsive disorders may be uh, conscious of their irrational behavior, but the emotional attachment is the problem, and that far exceeds any sense of logic. Can My friends, that is what's called another manifestation of depression and anxiety, another example of fear. And it's been estimated that 2 to 5% of adults, though the condition typically manifests in childhood, It worsens as a person gets older, and hoarding appears to be more common in people with psychological disorders like depression, anxiety, and uh, uh, attention deficit hyperactive disorder, ADHD. And so it's important to really get down and understand that hoarding is an attachment disorder, and it is a part of OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And it's probably uh, primarily caused by poor parent-child relationships during childhood. And as a result, those suffering from that attachment disorder may turn to possessions to fill their need for a loving relationship. And, you know, people that... uh, uh, our animal hoarders in particular have revealed that the hoarders often experience domestic trauma during childhood, providing evidence from uh, the model showed in 2010 that adults who hoard report a greater lifetime incidence of having possessions taken by force, forced sexual activity as either an adult or a child or being physically handled roughly during childhood. And that has a positive correlation between traumatic events and compulsive hoarding or both. And so all of these can be treated. All of these can be treated both psychiatrically with the tricyclic antidepressant. Um, uh, clomiprine is a good one. And, and basically uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Now, there's this other weird one in the obsessive-compulsive disorder family, trichotrillomania. It's known as trichotillosis, or hair pulling. And it's an obsessive-compulsive disorder characterized by the compulsive urge to pull your own hair, leading to hair loss and balding, distress, social or functional impairment. And trichotrillomania may be present in infants, But the peak age of the onset is 9 to 13, and it also has social implications, often unreported, and it's difficult to accurately predict its prevalence. But the lifetime prevalence is estimated between 0.6% and 4% of the overall population. And, And common areas are the scalp, 
the eyelashes, the eyebrows, legs, arms, hands, nose, and public uh, pubic areas. Those are the areas, public areas, <laughs> pubic areas. And those are the places where often people are pulling their hair out. Guess another coping skill, another fear-based diagnosis, another depression, another anxiety. Uh, this is something that has to be taken care of, folks. Why would you hurt yourself? That's called self-defeating behavior. Cut it out. It can be treated. Stand up to it and take over. Don't live in this thing. And then there's this other thing called excoriation disorder. And it's an obsessive compulsive disorder, but it has the repeated urge to pick one's own skin, often to the extent that damage is caused. Uh, this starts with acne, by the way, and then moves on to all kinds of other things. But episodes of skin picking are often preceded and accompanied by tension, anxiety, stress. And during those moments, there's commonly a compulsive urge to pick, squeeze, scratch a surface or a region of the body, often at a location of a perceived skin defect. And so the region most commonly picked is the face. But other frequent locations includes the arms, the legs, the back, the gums, the lips, the shoulders, the scalp, the stomach, the chest, extremities such as fingernails, cuticles, toenails. And most patients with excoriation disorder report having the primary idea that their body focus is worth picking on. But they will often move to other areas of the body to allow their primary picking area to heal. And it can cause a feeling of intense hopelessness, guilt, shame, embarrassment to a lot of people. And it greatly increases the risk of self-harm. And actually, studies have shown that excoriation disorder presented suicidal ideation in 12% of the people who do this. And suicide attempts in 11.5% of people with that condition. So if you see somebody that picks themselves apart... You know, it, it's it's a pretty good sign that there may be some other insecurity issues going on, depression issues, fear issues. Once again, faith is a lifetime adventure. Life is a faith-based adventure. You have to take it that way, not live in fear. But that's what these folks do because they're warriors, and that's how they try to control things they can't control. So they pick their face apart until they are scarred for life. And that's the way it goes. But we're going to talk more about obsessive compulsive disorder. And we're going to talk more about what it's all about, how people view it, how people do it. And uh, is it perfectionism or is it OCD? So come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. 
Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers Channels. Transformation takes one step at a time. It's time. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for the power of young people to change the world. Hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, ritual and repeat. I got to tell you. You know, during this time of COVID, people have just went crazy and their environment needs to be clean. It needs to be a certain way. Everything needs to be in a certain place. That's even heightened. And so OCD has just taken off like a rocket with people. They obsess, obsess, obsess. They compulse hoarders or hoarding. Excuriation people are picking. Uh, trickle trillomania people are pulling their hair out. I mean, it's just crazy. And people are are laying on to these disorders because they have so much anxiety, so much depression. Even the ADHD people have it all because ADHD converts to depression, anxiety in adult life. And so the bottom line is these folks are coping with life. And it's really difficult when you've had all of your freedom taken away, when you've had your election stolen, when you've had your life basically put on hold, when you're stuck inside having to wear masks everywhere you go, even though they're not effective. And the bottom line is everybody acts like Nazis. And so you go out of your home. And it's stressful. It's stressful to go to Trader Joe's and somebody tells you to put your mask on when you're doing something that you really enjoy, which is grocery shopping, even if you've had two shots to take care of the stupid thing. But that's just the way it is. People are stressed out. They do obsessive compulsive things like correct other people and, uh, you know, want to make everybody else's life just as miserable as theirs. And, and, you know, the thing about obsessive compulsive disorder, it's all about coping It's all about coping. It's not about living at all. And we have to really come to grips with that. Do you want to live your life 
do you want to be a soul living a human life or do you want to just live a human life and croak? Because that's what happens with OCD if you let it take over. It will take over. It is a mental disorder and it can be fixed. And so, folks, even though you may have laid into this as your main way of functioning, not everybody is going to abide by your rules and your standards. And so you need to understand if you're enforcing that on your children, if you're enforcing that on your spouse, what's basically happening is you're trying to control them and they lack now what's called free will. And that also creates OCD within you as a person that creates it within them as a person. So the more people you force to meet your ritualistic needs and your specific control freak uh, uh, desires, you're going to embed that in their character. And guess what? They're either going to have OCD, some other form of OCD, or they're going to be an obsessive compulsive personality disorder. So cut it out. Go to therapy. Let's get it fixed. Let's take a medication, calm it down, especially if it's exacerbated, and take control of your life. You know, obsessive compulsive disorder is a mental disorder. And I'm going to go back over this right now so we can clear this up, in which people experience unwanted, repeated thoughts, feelings, images, sensations like obsessions, and engage in behaviors or mental acts like compulsions as a response. And often a person with OCD carries out the compulsions to temporarily eliminate or reduce the impact of obsessions and not performing them causes an enormous amount of distress. And OCD varies in severity. But if it's untreated, it can limit your ability to function at work, at school, at home. And it's also estimated to affect more than 2%. Of the U.S., and this is just the U.S. population, I'm sure it's bigger than that around the world and at some point in their lives. And the problems can be accompanied by other conditions, including anxiety disorders, depression, eating disorders. And it really usually appears in childhood, usually in childhood, then adolescence or early adulthood. But, you know, if you look at it, It's either an obsession, compulsions, or both, and that's how it exists. And what are obsessions? Once again, we went over this last segment, but I want to repeat it so we grab onto it. It's reoccurring thoughts or urges or images that are experienced as intrusive, unwanted, and for most people cause anxiety for distress, and the individual tries to ignore them. They suppress them. They neutralize them with a different thought or an action. And then the compulsion is the answer. And that one feels compelled to do in a response to obsession based on strict rules. They're meant to counter anxiety or distress to prevent a feared event or situation. But they're not realistically connected to the outcomes. And these obsessions and compulsions take up more than an hour a day. They cause clinically significant distress and impairment for a person. And for this diagnosis, they have to not be better explained by the effects of substance abuse and uh, by other mental disorders. So if there's substance abuse involved that may cause this, that may not be obsessive compulsive disorder. That just may be how their addiction to a specific drug or alcohol uh, affects them. So, you know, these obsessions vary. They usually include contamination, desire for order, taboo thoughts, and related to sex, religion, harm to a person's self, And in response to their obsessions, most people resort to the compulsions, 
which is like washing, rearranging, counting objects, seeking reassurance, checking to see if the door is locked. You know, they can also include mental acts that are not outwardly observable, but they relieve the feelings that stem from an obsession, including, once again, the anxiety, depress, and distress. And so let's not live in that world. You know, people with OCD also avoid people. They avoid places. They avoid things that trigger their obsessions and compulsions. They also often have dysfunctional beliefs that can include a heightened sense of responsibility, an intolerance of uncertainty, perfectionism, or an exaggerated view of significance of troubling thoughts. Guess what? People who fear flying. Yes, they're standing on, sitting in an airplane in midway, and everybody's having an okay time, enjoying the scenery, having a drink, whatever. And then this obsessive compulsive person starts to obsess on troubling thoughts. We're going to die. We're going to die. And then freaks out. And guess what? They got to land the plane early because OCD. It takes over our lives. There are so many people that are obsessed with things. I'm going to do a show on critical race theory. People are obsessed on that. They're obsessed on politics. They're obsessed on watching the news. I mean, it's crazy. But people will obsess on anything just to comfort themselves. And so we have to understand, you know, people frequently experience another form of mental illness when they have OCD. And so they they may have a bipolar disorder, they may be depressive, they may have uh, ADHD, they may have other related disorders like body dysphoric, trichotillomania, hoarding, excoriation. You know, it's just all of this crap is crazy. It's just coping, 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 coping. But people who have a parent, a sibling, or a child with OCD are at great risk for having it themselves, and studies really reinforce the idea. It comes from childhood, but if you're going to have an obsessive compulsive disorder parent, you're likely going to have an obsessive compulsive disorder child. You know, there's a whole lot of things. You know, people that fear shots, by the way, that's another obsessive compulsive disorder, like giving your children the shots they need to go to school. You know, it's sad, but people freak out. Or the anti-vax folks, that's the other obsession. And people will reinforce their obsessions emotionally by only grabbing facts that support their perception of the truth. But that's what people do. You know, the, the Diagnostic Manual 5. Obsessive compulsive disorder was separated from anxiety disorders, which uh, placed the category of OCD on uh, on OCD related disorders. And so, once again, that's the hoarding, body dysphoric, excoriation, trichotillomania. And the term OCD is uh, 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 routinely used as casual conversations to label someone who may be extremely perfectionistic. And so we all may have strange idiosyncrasies, such as avoiding uh, bath sponges or organizing our closet by color and pattern or refusing to touch the restroom door in public. These habits should not be confused with obsessive compulsive disorder. It's often misunderstood and it occupies a person's life. It occupies a lot of time. And they begin presenting usually before 25 years old. And uh, once again, it's about 1% to 4% of our population has this. But I would say much more now that COVID hit. Now people are off their rocker with this kind of stuff. It's, it's just sad. It's sad that we cannot be mindful, that we cannot 
that people have trouble trying to live in the moment they're in rather than the future and the past. When we have obsessive compulsive disorder, we're projecting a negative future or looking back on a potential negative uh, experience in our life and coloring our life based on our projections to the back and to the front. But if we understand what the meaning of life is, the meaning of life is being fully present in the moment you're in. And if you can do that, you don't need to control things you can't control. You just need to pay attention and listen to your intuition and connect with other people because that brings you back to life. Unfortunately, a lot of people have trouble with that idea. They're too afraid to be fully present. And uh, quite frankly, the vast majority of our population of this world do not live in the present moment. And that means they live in coping. In OCD, the problem is we're in our head most of the time. Our worst enemy is time alone. And when people spend too much time alone and in their head, they lose contact with life. They lose their feelings. They lose their sense of connectedness. And people have what are called social anxiety. OCD affects social anxiety because our rituals become more important than our connections. And so... When this stuff builds up in your life, it, you know, it's important for you to understand that it's going to take over, just like a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction, whatever that is, it creeps up on you slowly and it just continues to grow. You know, even, even preparing a meal may not be able to eat the food because of thoughts that the stove might have been left on. You know, these thoughts are so intrusive that they have to continue to check the stove until they come to terms with the fact the stove is actually off. By contrast, people without the disorder may wonder whether they have forgotten to turn the stove off, but then quickly confirm and resolve this by checking the stove. Depending on the person and the seriousness of the thought, the person with OCD could spend minutes to hours tormenting themselves by the thoughts subsequent and associated to their compulsions. Thus, take hours, for example, to prepare to leave home and go to work. And so they're late to work. You know, if you're going to have OCD, you better make time for it and a lot of time for it because um, it, it's a, it's going to take up a lot of your life and a lot of your ability to connect with the people that you love. It also can develop a lot of resentment towards you for what you tend to love, what you covet rather than who you covet. You know, it can be accompanied by a whole lot of mental conditions, you know. Social anxiety, bipolar, ADHD, you know, <laughs> you're going to have a lot of problems in life. I understand it. But does this have to be the one? You know, it can clinically confuse, be confused with bipolar since the racing thoughts often seem in bipolar disorder, actually the rapidly recurring thoughts of OCD. The mood swings into depression, bipolar disorder are, are also OCDs. Patients are, are desperate, depressive, responsive to not having control over their thoughts, feeling that they're going crazy or they're losing it. And so these folks will not tell anyone, including their physicians, about their problem. Since they know what is going to happening is abnormal, they fear they will lose their job or relationship or end up in a psychiatric unit. Ticks, hair pulling, body dysphoria, depression, other mental disorders just get hidden without ever, ever being discussed. But it's important to really uh, take on this. Can it be cured? You know, treatment 
for OCD and OCPD personality disorder is similar in that they both require psychotherapy. And, and OCD can be treated with antidepressants, specifically uh, uh, SSRIs. And other medications may be required since between 40 to 60% of patients with OCD do not respond adequately to an SSRI. Also, behavior modification can be very helpful. Even a token economy or a reward system of some kind for not obsessing can help you tone it down and get a handle on it. You know, maybe journaling might be a good thing as to when you do the obsessions and what the obsessions solve for you. Being conscious of the unconscious can always help a person overcome any kind of of disorder that is developed by mankind. I'm not talking about schizophrenia. I'm not talking about necessarily bipolar, but I am talking about depression, anxiety, OCD, those type of disorders that are man-made. They're thought-based, and and we drive ourselves crazy and self-defeat with these disorders, and it can destroy your life. You know, it creates poorer work-life balance. If you're going to have OCD, you're going to be rigid. You're going to be stubborn. You're going to have a preoccupation with all kinds of things. You're going to lose sight of the big picture, and you're often going to prevent the task at hand from ever getting done. So procrastination, 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 one after the other after the other. And it's all so psychological. You know, if we take on cognitive behavioral therapy, they, they are considered resentment, uh, re- resistant to treatment. And so it's, you know, understandable. Their defense mechanism is going to be around their OCD. So just like drug addicts, they're going to defend their uh, and, and uh, delusional uh, towards their use. They're going to focus on deflecting rather than taking on the idea that this is a real problem. You know, there's a lot of medications that are dopamine-driven and antipsychotic that can really step in and help a person. Yes, you can get off these medications, but maybe you need them to get off the OCD. You know, uh, uh, if you have a problem with your dopamine and your serotonin, dopamine's basically like the sticky substance that creates neurological highways from the amygdala or the brainstem up to your prefrontal cortex, which is where you have your executive thinking. The serotonin are like the vehicles that, that expand the trail into a superhighway to your critical thinking. If you're OCD, you don't have enough dopamine and serotonin to make highways to your critical thinking. So you do what you feel, what you feel, what you feel. You don't do what you think. And your whole life starts to be about feeling rather than thinking. And that's where we lose it. That's where everything falls off. That's where you lose your integrity. That's where you lose relationships. So yes, taking an antidepressant, an SSRI, might help you get your life back. Why not try that? Let's come back. We're going to talk more about the facts. So come back. We're talking about OCD. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology. 
one couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, a view through the veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, Please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about OCD, rituals and repeat. You know, healing from OCD, if you can imagine having to wash your hands five times in a row just to feel clean enough to go to bed or needing to check your oven a dozen times before you believe it's really off, you know, picture trying to go about your life while being inundated and unwanted images that make you question whether there's something wrong with you. You know, you know, did I lose my car keys? Did I leave my car unlocked and I have to lock it 50 times? You know, what might feel like to be bombarded with obsessive thoughts and driven to make compulsive actions, all while trying to balance your regular responsibilities, your routines, your relationships, your family. Maybe you do know what this feels like. You know, someone else may not know who does have this experience. Some people may not realize that you have this experience, but you're not alone if you do. You know, millions of people, about one in 40, are affected by obsessive compulsive disorder. And OCD is about the fourth most common mental health disorder occurring in people of all ages. And I would suggest it's even more than that at this point with the COVID. But, you know, most commonly, it shows up in people at young ages and they experience the symptoms with all kinds of uh, different things. And uh, it's about the 10th most handicapping, ha- handicap position or condition in terms of lost income, decreased quality of life. Unfortunately, mo- many people experiencing this are not even aware that OCD exists or that treatment's available. And the, and the shame they feel about their symptoms can inhibit them from exposing what's going on and seek help that they need. So they just keep doing it in secret and secret and secret, like hoarders, hoarders. We'll do this in secret and secret as much as they can. They, then they'll eventually trash their yard, and then people realize, oh, we have a hoarder. Guess what? Our real estate's gone down about probably 100000 uh, because now we've got rats and 
ugly stuff in people's yard. You know, and it's sad, but these people really, truly affect other people's lives. You know, the, the first thing we could do is really better understand what OCD is. It's an anxiety disorder in which people become stuck. And it's also a depressive disorder where they just get stuck in a cycle of obsessions. And then they have the compulsions. And when a person has OCD, the compulsions are the solution to the obsessions. And it's as if the, the alarm system in their brain is faulty. And in seeing danger where there may be none, it, it traps them in a hyper-aroused state to where they have no short-term memory. And then basically what happens is they have to go back and try to remember something that just happened a few seconds ago, but they can't because they're too hyper-aroused. And they may experience irrational, disturbing thoughts and engage in compulsive actions to relieve their anxiety and the uncertainty of feeling that things are just not right. And this is because part of the brain that is designed to protect them and warn them that danger is being triggered, this part of the brain is an ancient protection system evolutionarily developed to keep you safe. And, but in the case of OCD, it gets stuck. And, and so what's it like to have this? You know, the symptoms tend to be distressing. Unwanted thoughts can come in the form of worry uh, about all kinds of things. And these thoughts can be experienced as doubt. You know, did I leave the house unlocked? You know, could I just run over something on the road? They may be, and they come in the form of disturbing images, such as violent or sexual or fears that you may have hurt someone or yourself. You know, uh, th this stuff affects a person's life. You know, do they have an obsession with their health? Do they go in and try to uh, Google every little feeling that they have and then catastrophize that that's probably what they have? This obsessive compulsive act does not self-soothe. It actually creates more stress, more anxiety, and it creates a hypervigilant lifestyle where you're basically training your brain to live off the brainstem. And you may be an intelligent person, but you don't have enough highways to get up to your prefrontal cortex to actually do executive functioning, which is critical thinking. And so people with OCD have a heightened sense of fear and of guilt and a sense of obligation. And so they do their rituals over and over and over and over and over again, hating the idea of change. And they feel like they have to worry or do certain things to protect other people and themselves. And so basically, people with OCD have generally been shown in research to have this inflated feeling of responsibility. They often feel that they're going to be responsible for something bad that will happen and that if they fail to do something, they'll be responsible for the harm. And that stuckness and the suffering a person feels when they have OCD is further exacerbated by their compulsions. And these can be mental or physical, and they include behaviors like chronically cleaning, checking, repeating. A person may be caught in a cycle of scrubbing the same item. Maybe they have to have sex at a certain time. Maybe they have to have certain rituals at a certain time. Maybe they have to brush their teeth a, a, a certain number of times. You know, whatever it is, but they usually like to count or tap or repeat specific actions a certain number of times. And they also uh, act on mental compulsions, like reviewing the same information over and over and over again to make sure something is okay or safe or mentally checking for danger. They may attempt to control their, like, like a prairie dog, 
pop up, pop up, pop, keep popping up out of that hole. <laughs> they also tr- try to replace bad images with a good image or counting a certain number of times. You know, and those symptoms really consume a person's energy. If you think of yourself like a tank of gas, you're given a tank of gas every day. They spend their whole tank of gas spinning out on OCD rather than exploring life and having good experiences. You know, they have this basic extra sticky switch in their brain warning them of danger that isn't there. And so their fight or flight mechanism is constantly going. It's like living in trauma 24 by 7. You know, their brain just rattles on and rattles on and, and these compulsions and, and and basically, uh, uh, these these this irrational behavior drives them to seek comfort over and over again. And so, can you imagine living like that? Can you imagine what it's like to have to fill your day obsessing and and then having a compulsion to make you relax and wait? You know, losing your job because you can't get over it, losing your children, losing your marriage, losing your life, losing your friends, losing so much. Because all you can do is comfort yourself. Why don't you just get a weighted blanket and sit in the corner for a while and then come out and move into your life? You know, <laughs> your anxiety is going to, to take over if you allow it to take over. You know, you want to turn that alarm off. You know, if you can outlast the alarm... If you can allow the alarm to ring and accept the fact that you don't have to have rituals like compulsions to solve it, guess what? You may get through it. But if you want to do this, you need to find the right kind of treatment. Unfortunately, when a person has OCD, they're not the best person to stop themselves because they're in the middle of the problem. And so they have a lot of time becoming cognizant, becoming consciously aware of what they're actually doing. And so there's a thing called exposure response prevention therapy, ERP. And it's basically a cognitive behavioral approach, thought-based and behavioral. And it involves people repeatedly exposing themselves to or testing out their fears. And, for example, a patient may uh, be afraid of contamination and they worry about household dirt may touch this bathroom floor without washing their hands. So a person with chronically checks for the stove to be off may have to leave the house without checking any appliances. And as they perform an exposure, the person learns to tolerate the anxiety that arises while refusing to engage in any compulsive behaviors. You know, take a picture. If you, if you want to, take a picture that the stove's off. Take a picture that you lock the front door. Take a picture of where your keys are. Then you know the last time you saw them where they're at. Now we don't have to worry about it anymore. You know, you can transform the process and change your life. You know, make a tape, make a video of whatever you need to do to prove to yourself that everything is okay. You know, more people need to get in the good help that can change their lives. As we learn more about OCD, we can spread a message of hope to people struggling and let them know they're not alone and they can feel better and they can get their life back. And that's the point. You can get your life back. You know, a lot of psychologists back in the 70s had just begun detailed research on obsessions and compulsions, but a decision was made to actually to hospitalize a participant with severe obsessive checking problems so that the researchers could measure and assess their multiple checking rituals in a controlled environment. To their surprise, once they'd been admitted to the hospital, most of the checking behaviors disappeared. 
and readily, without anxiety, began to involve himself in a normal daily life in the hospital. So guess what? Maybe a change of environment might not be a bad idea to where you don't have to worry about certain things, and now you don't have time to have created a ritual to fill your life. You know, when you think about that person back in the 70s, at first it wasn't obvious what had caused a sudden and dramatic loss of symptoms. You know, perhaps it was a, mi- a miracle or a spontaneous recovery, but as soon as that person returned home, guess what they did? All the old rituals reappeared as severely as ever, and quite soon it became apparent what was happening, and this insight cast light on one of the most significant psychological factors that cause and maintain behaviors such as compulsive checking and compulsive washing. And so many compulsions are enacted because the sufferer believes this will prevent something bad from happening. Checking the stove is off prevents a potential gas explosion. Checking the doors and the windows are locked prevents the house from being burglarized. Washing your hands until they're raw prevents contamination, possible spread of diseases. These activities confer the checker and the washer is a significant responsibility for ensuring that bad things don't happen. Not only do people with OCD tend to feel responsible for ensuring that bad things don't happen, but they also have a highly inflated sense of responsibility that evokes guilt and shame. The possibility of bad things happening and their compulsive rituals are not completely improperly, thoroughly. You know, OCD is a slow onset, but we can often trace the beginnings uh, to a stressful life event, a life change that bestows greater responsibilities such as a new job, a birth of a child, even puberty. So many people take their new responsibilities very seriously and develop inflated sense of self and generate anxiety, driving desire to ensure that they don't let themselves or others down by allowing bad things to happen as a perfectionistic person. If you look at the early studies of OCD, often they failed to really get uh, sufferers to indulge in their compulsions and rituals in the lab. But when they get them in the home, that's when it all starts. And bang, when they get them in that environment where they develop obsessive rituals, they inflate their sense of responsibility in those locations. And they make everyone suffer, including coworkers, including family, because they want them to buy into the same problem that they have in order to uh, make themselves feel better about what they're doing. You know, but, you know, you want to find uh, the, the, the finding this particular relevance for OCD when people deliberately attempt to control their, their intrusive thoughts by ignoring and neutralizing and suppressing them. Basically, you're creating the idea that other people need to do the same thing and it catches fire and then other people do it and then other people do it and then the people go generationally do it. And so it's got to stop somewhere. Why doesn't it stop now it can be done. It's developmental problem. It's a attachment problem, and it can be solved with therapy and even antidepressants. All right, that's our show. I want to thank everybody for listening. You know, I love hearing from you, and you can do that on our webpage at voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now, remember, if you want your house deep cleaned, hosts an OCD therapy group weekly. Also, it is painful to mentally undress someone you're attracted to and then focus on folding their clothes. Also, see what happens when an OCD person cleans their hands and finds there is no paper towels. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 
That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 